Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of November 2nd, Turkey Month. Come on, Thanksgiving's just around the corner. It's 60 days until 2023. All I can say is, wow, I cannot believe it that we're getting ready to turn the calendar year here in about two months. I'm Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kovac, it was pretty damn cool and neat to see the two brothers of Brandon and Cody Overton duking it out this past weekend at East Alabama for the National 100, trading the lead for a few times. Some bragging rights, though, for Big Sexy at the Thanksgiving dinner table coming up. Got me thinking, where do they rank up in the brother duo rankings of dirt late model racing? Uh, I'll let you go first. You can maybe name another group of brothers and just discuss a little bit. But I'm going to give each of you guys like two minutes, three minutes to give a decent argument. Going to do something different to start the show off. Yeah, that, that was one heck of a battle there. And Cody was throwing uh, everything at his brother, Brandon. I mean, running, running, making Brandon run much harder than he ever would want to run early in a race. And I, I did talk to Cody and he says he wasn't even thinking about uh, the $30,000 win. All he wanted to do was just pass his brother, Brandon, because he's, he's only raced in a race with Brandon like three times. He's mostly been in crates. So that was a real thrill for, for Cody. Uh, but when you look at other uh, uh, brothers in, in dirt late model racing, I mean, the first one of the first that really comes to my mind, and probably you can almost say they they might have the you know the one of the most you know uh, winningest uh, resumes, I guess, would be the Simpson brothers from Iowa. Uh, you got Chad, the older brother, Chris, the younger brother. Uh, by a few years, they're both um, you know upper thirties and into four, you know, right around forty years old now. Uh, they've been around a while. I mean, Chad's obviously won a bunch of MLRA championships, you know, a bunch of regional titles. Uh, everything he's run, he's always winning a title, it seems like. So he's a great points racer. And also won, he's also won Lucas Oil and World of Outlaws races. Chris, uh, he uh, hasn't won quite as many races as, as Chad, but is another guy that, you know, he's always a contender out there in the Midwest when he does run. And he won some bigger races this year. I mean, February, he even broke through at Fairbury for a five grand, I mean, a five figure win. So those are, that, I figure those are two brothers. And there's their two brothers also that have gotten into it a little bit in the past. You know, you remember, you know, like some of the, you know, your brothers, brotherly love there, but brotherly fights too. And uh, I don't know, it was probably about what, five years ago, something like that, right, Derek, that um, Chad and, uh, and, and, and Chris got in a little scrape, uh, you know, but that's what happens with brothers sometimes. And uh, yeah, mom had up, to break but, it up. <laughs> yeah, mom had to break it up, but, you know, they got in a little trouble there, but, but, um, but they're good now, and uh, you know they uh, they they all y'all can find a Simpson uh, in the field in Iowa. It seems like, yeah, it's a great pick, and you know reminds me of uh, Chad Simpson. He's been up front I eighty before, leading a few laps. I think in twenty twenty he got passed by Sheppy with only a handful of laps left. Uh, he's won at Knoxville during the prelims, and Chris Simpson. I feel like over the last four or five years he might have surpassed his brother, maybe you know doing better runs throughout the. Throughout the nation, because uh, Chad kind of is, you know, more regionalized and never really kind of stepped out of what, uh, you know, Chris has done. Um, Kyle, what do you got? Who do you think? Uh, are you just going to defend Overton's again? Because, you know, the Brandon, if you had to pick all the guys currently racing that have brothers, he's obviously the top tier dog. But then you have to, you know, add in Cody, who has had, you know, he's starting to dabble a little bit in super late model racing. Yeah, totally. Um, Cody picked up, you know, I mean, this. February, you know, he picked up his first ever super late model victory. Uh, and and so, I mean, that if he would have held off his brother or if he wouldn't have had uh, oil pressure issues uh, on Saturday with like 17 laps to go, you know, if he had those two things working for him, trying to hold off his brother and, and, and uh, the race car hold up for all 100 laps, you know, that would have been his his second ever win in the national 100 versus your brother, you know, on prime time on, on flow racing on a weekend where it, it, it seemed like all eyes were, were on this race in the dirt late model world. So I'm sitting there watching that race and I hadn't really watched Cody, you know, race a whole lot considering, you know, he's fairly new to the super late model scene and myself being up here in Maryland, just, just, uh, geographically just not being able to really have many conversations with him in person or just watch him race in general as i said but i mean but that in itself obviously you know putting 
putting himself in the uh, in the same ballpark there as Brandon. I mean, you know, I mean, he bright future it seems. I mean, he had success in the crate, continues to have success in the crate car. But you know, as we're looking through some other brothers and some other brother tandem, so to speak, in the sport. I mean, this year, you know, we've talked a lot about Josh Rice, but his brother James Rice. I mean, he's he also has a or he has a ten thousand dollar victory um with the ultimate heart of America series at Circle City on May thirtieth in a race that he beat Tyler Herb and Spencer Hughes and uh, Rusty Schlenk and Billy Moyer and Ricky Thornton Jr. and it's uh it's always fun. I've come do you mean you mean just myself really being immersed in the dirt late model world really for the first time, I would say just, you know, daily taking it in and, and you know, being as involved as we are working in, in the sport. I've really come to enjoy just the driving styles of, of the Rice brothers, you know, just how they drive the race cars. They seem like like those two brothers, it, it seems to me, you know, they get the most out of their race machines each and every single night. And at least all the races I've seen this year or have watched or have taken note of um and so i always that just you know as an avid onlooker race fan you know growing up you always appreciate a guy trying to get the most out of their race car right so um the rice brothers um they would also have to uh be right there too you know moving forward you know not uh to the same degree as brandon overton but uh I mean, they certainly have the potential to continue to, you know, stay uh, relevant in our sport. And it's always uh, I'm the oldest brother in my family of three. So I don't really know what it's like to be the younger brother. Um, I do know that obviously they're, you know, being the younger brother at uh, Cody's case, you know, with Brandon, I would most certainly have to think that there's a little bit of pressure there to try to follow in his, not his footsteps necessarily, but try to separate yourself from what your brother has created um, in our sport, just in terms of prestige and identity and, and, and just who Brandon Overton is. So it was cool to watch this past weekend. And uh, hopefully, I'm sure that's not the last time those two will be battling um, in a big race. Yeah, and it, uh, you know, the brothers of Cody and Brandon, it kind of reminds me of um, Little Giants with the O'Shea brothers when, you know, they're having the halftime speech and the, the Giants are getting smoked by the Cowboys. And he's like, you know, I beat my older brother down, you know, Cherry Street Hill. It only takes that one time. And I think that's what uh, Cody Overton was kind of thinking there. Man, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it pays. This thing's on flow. This highlights will be on dirt on dirt. I need to beat my brother at this. So he was definitely a you know, giving him his uh, best shot and throwing the kitchen sink at him. I'm going to play off with you a little bit towards those second half brothers you mentioned, the Rice brothers. Um, they're up in commerce. They both have a great driving style, like you said. I think uh, James is a little more smooth on the bottom, as we saw at Circle City back in May. Picked up a ten grand to win. I think he started deep in the field, like 11th or 12th. And then Josh Rice, anytime he unloads around that, you know, Cincinnati area he's always a threat to win especially at Florence Speedway and I think they're the only two brothers this year might have to check on that but I looking at my stats are the only two to win five-figure paydays uh James won that 10 grand and then obviously Ralph Latham went to Josh Rice I just you know they're great people as well they uh come to you know Eldora and Fairbury and they you know go out a little bit but yeah they definitely have their uh good driving abilities around that Cincinnati area and I think they're, you know, obviously they're both very young and I think they'll continue. And I think it's pretty cool. They both have different, you know, car owners that support them. And they used to have the same car owner back in when they first, you know, came on the scene around 2015. And now they both have different car owners. And I think that uh, James Rice won the, you know, ultimate championship for the, you know, Heart of America. So that's another uh, thing to add to his resume. So I'm going to go with the Rice brothers. I, you know, I think it's a pretty solid choice. Obviously, Brandon, if you're going in terms of just driver, he's way up top compared to some of these other guys. We know it balances out with Cody in there. But I like the Rice brothers. Uh, they're fun to watch. Uh, they're young. And I think they're going to continue to improve throughout their racing career. 
Robert, is that a, the Rice brothers a decent choice? And are you going to go with some uh, different brother? Or are you going to defend Overton's or somebody we already mentioned? Uh, I mean, it's, that's definitely a fair choice. But uh, and I'm going to let uh, let you guys throw out some some of the more historic brotherly com- combinations, I guess, uh, in just a second because they're I mean, throughout the history of our sport, you know, we've had some some really good brother combos. But, uh, you know, and one thing that the sport is always um, I, I, one thing that our sport, I guess, is is based around is family. Uh, and, and so anytime that you unload at the racetrack, you have your adopted family, which are your your friends and, and uh, acquaintances at the track. But anytime you can go with a with a family member, uh, for instance, the McDowell brothers, Dale and Shane, Dale, now the the hall of fame driver and shane the car owner and crew chief they used to actually race both used to race i have a photo from 1994 at talladega short track and they're both uh in the 17 cars they're identical race cars they're both side by side on the racetrack you know shane gave up the driving part of it to help his brother to help further his brother's career and what a decision that had to have been at the time to you know who they didn't know how it was going to play out at the time you know they they had no clue what was going to happen down the road but could you imagine as a brother kind of giving up the driving part giving up the the, the that side of it to help uh to help your brother you know uh further his career what a what a what an incredible decision uh and as as you know going to the racetrack with family I I understand well because I have a race car of course that my brother drives so uh, I understand how you know, there are times when we've come home and, and I've, it's very rare, but there are times when I've come home that I've just not even wanted to talk. There are times when he's come back, you know, from the track and I'm like, what the hell were you doing out there? You know, uh, and the thing about brothers is you can say all this stuff to, to each other at, when you wake up the next morning, you're still brothers, uh, and you're still family. And that's, this sport is so, uh, st- entrenched around family uh it means so much and it's so important so i really think that that combination of dale and shane mcdowell is really uh, about as special as it's going to get as far as family members and of course like i said shane a a one-time driver that also benefits them because he understands maybe not what it's like to drive the cars with the technology that we have now but it, it he has the capability of jumping in a race car on a test day and taking it around the track and making a few laps to get that feel for himself because he has driven cars before. So that is uh that's a really special combination. And um, one of the, one of the better brother duos, even though Shane is no longer a driver. So, uh, but I want, I'm going to throw it back to you guys, you know, and, and let y'all, cause there are a bunch of guys out there who, who have uh, historically brothers, like we were kind of talking before we, we, started recording here there are a, a bunch of guys out there who have really kind of left marks on this sport uh brother combinations uh you know what what do you have uh kevin and, and i know that you were kind of compiling compiling a list there kevin what do you have yeah i kind of uh went back with uh you know i asked uh, todd turner the guru for some uh, help on this too to come up with some uh some names of brothers that have uh, you know been around for a while and or still are running right now and like and, and actually one of the first ones i thought of you know and he mentioned them too is uh, is jack and randy boggs and both of them passed away now uh but both of them are world 100 winners uh jack's career overall was uh you know much more widespread and and more wins and more big wins than uh, than randy's was but I'm not sure if there's another brother combination that both have crown jewel wins. Uh, that's so that's uh, that would rank them up there pretty high. And, and at the same racetrack at the World 100, it's it, like the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a that's a pretty neat uh, accomplishment there for a for a family. Um, and there's there's other you know there's other brothers that have won some big you know the the Najbish brothers. Uh, you know down there in Florida. Um, you know Keith they own East and. Yeah, Keith and Ken, they they both won Speed Weeks races at East Bay, you know. I mean, so that's a that's pretty uh impressive that they're able I mean, it's their home track, but uh to be able to beat those guys when they come down there and on your home turf is was pretty good and uh maybe the the brothers, this is three brothers actually. 
is Joe Kosiski, Steve Kosiski, and Ed Kosiski from out there in Nebraska. They that that combination right there, they might have the most combined wins of any brothers. I'd, I'd imagine. I mean, those they weren't national touring drivers, but man, they won a lot of those races and those regional NASCAR late model stuff, you know, and those touring days and NASCAR national titles and stuff like that and regional titles. I mean, they won a lot of races, uh, those three, and um, they might, they could be the most of anybody. Uh, I mean, they're not, I'm thinking also too, I mean, current ones, the Conleys, RJ and Rod, they have a lot of wins over around the, you know, in their area of uh, Ohio and Kentucky and those trace tracks over there. They've been around a long time too, a good 30 years they've been racing. Uh, they don't have as many wins as their, as their dad, Delmas, but they both uh, have been around a while and have been pretty, pretty successful. You know, just uh, there's a few of them that I just come up with right off the bat. Yeah. And then staying with the theme of today's drivers, you, this one just popped in my head, the Marlers too. You got, what is it? Mike Cameron and Skyler Marler. They all three race. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep, I mean, yep. obviously Mikey, his career has been, uh, you know, hall of fame like, and then his brother Cameron, he's, has a nice looking sharp late model and you know he's starting to dabble a little bit racing more and more and you know he's had some success i think at the jackson 100 he had a great qualifying lap but you know failed the droop rule unfortunately but he had a fast car all weekend there so i think i think we're gonna see cameron make some noise especially and then yeah robert the hawkins brothers my boys Mm -hmm. from uh west virginia jacob and jared obviously We've seen Jacob put on a show at Spark and Ark and at Eldora, and then Jared Hawkins. You know he's had top five runs at the dirt track, and they're both very good at Tyler County. So the those ones definitely come to mind. Jared, and then Jared with go. the World of Outlaws win too. Yeah, he's also won a yeah, World of so, Outlaws race at Tyler County for twenty grand. So he's a they're like he's the, got a big one like on the his ones uh, Kovac though that they don't seem like they race as much as they used to, and yet every time they pop up and they race, they seem like they always have good top ten cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jacob's been really good too with that. Uh, with, you know, with the last couple of years, uh, he's he's really stepped it up in his late model program uh, to win uh quite a few you know like uh, bigger paying races down in uh, you know in his area. So uh, he's come along. He's actually you've seen him winning more than Jared in the last few years. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then for local races, I don't know if any duo brothers. I'm sure there probably is, but they come to mind that have won at Brownstown more than Don O'Neill and Marty O'Neill. So that's uh you know those guys back in the day cutting their teeth at the you know the famous Jackson County Fairgrounds. You got any uh more that come to mind there, McFadden? Uh yeah, the Gundakers, right? You know Trevor and Gordy Gundaker. Don't think we mentioned those two yet. Um, I mean I didn't even think of the you know it's 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 um obviously the Marlers. I mean those kind of popped in our head here a little later on in our conversation. I mean there's a uh, you know, as Robert mentioned, I mean, our sport is really founded, really built off of family, right? And so I think to kind of circle it, you know, back around to how we started this conversation, you know, just with the Overtons and, you know, the sport, you know, it, 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 it adds obviously a meaningful element to where we have storylines like this past weekend, just with Cody and then, and then Brandon. And I'm hoping that, you know, one of these days when we hop back on the podcast here in the near uh, future that, you know, we'll be talking about Cody Overton taking down his brother, Brandon. And I'm sure that Brandon knows that Cody's days are coming too. And, and so, and, uh, but I mean, back to, uh, the Marlers, I mean, Cameron, I mean, he's, I talked to him during, uh, Southern nationals over the summer, you know, this year. And I mean, he was, he was uh, almost ready to kind of not give up super late model racing, but kind of put his attention and in, in time elsewhere. And then, uh, you know, he just got this uh, um, opportunity in the 99 car and, and uh, he's really made the most of it and uh, has made a lot of big shows this year and has really seemed to run up front uh, or run in the top 10, top 15 in some of these bigger races. And so, and uh, you know, seems to, um be carving out another place for himself too so uh yeah i mean lots of brothers lots of uh you know family uh, lineage in our sport robert uh, i was gonna ask you how much pressure is on the older brother though when you have the younger brother throwing sliders at you trying to make some noise i know we saw at tri-city in the mlr ace the one that trevor won gordy was at his tails 
I'm probably he's probably thinking I cannot lose this race to Trevor. Maybe after the fact, he's very proud of him, but at the time, he has to be thinking there's no way I'm going to let my little brother. I think there's kind of some more pressure on the the bigger brother. I would say the older brother. I think that uh, it probably goes back to for starters. It probably goes back to how they were raised, you know, because uh, not raced but raised because you know anytime you're you're growing up in a family, uh, there's always that situation where you're looking for attention you know and and you're always trying to get the attention of parents or you're trying to get the attention of your big brother or you're trying to get out of the shadow of your big brother uh usually for those little brothers there's just not as much to lose you know so you're right there's probably a lot more pressure on the on the big brother uh as far as racing goes whether and and it's probably with any sport whether it's baseball or football or basketball um you know there's there's always probably going to be a little more pressure when you're competing against your little brother, you know, for the older guy, simply because, you know, you don't want to get beaten by your little brother, do you? I mean, really? I don't want to. I've always said that that I, I would quit playing basketball, uh, you know, in the backyard the day that my little brother beat me, you know, in hoops. I just quit. I don't want to get beaten by my little brother. And, uh, and he never has. Of course, we never played much. You know, there's like a 11, 12 years difference between me and my little brother. So uh, so we never really were in the backyard hooping a lot. But still, I always said, I, I'm, the day he beats me, I'm going to quit. And so so as far as an older older brother, sure, there's more pressure because, man, you don't want to get you don't want to get beat. You don't want to get smoked by the little brother. That's just embarrassing. But uh, but, you know. When you get to a point in racing, when things tend, to, when you get older and things tend to even out, I think it's more. Usually, it's more of a situation of well, I, I wanted to win. I don't want to lose to anyone, regardless if it's my little brother or not. I don't want to lose. But if I'm going to lose to anyone, it's probably a really good feeling to know that it's my little brother that 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 won. You know, so. Uh, uh, I, I do remember one time I was we were racing years ago at Winchester Speedway, and I owned a race car that someone else was driving, and my little brother is leading this race, and my car that uh, it was like in fifth, and I can tell you that I was had no longer paid attention to my car and was completely focused on my little brother because I wanted him to win that race, and uh, uh, and he didn't. He was running second, actually. He actually he was running second and spun out. The eventual winner was disqualified because of uh, he was light at the scales. So had had my brother not spun out, he would have won that race. But by the end of that race, my car had made its way to second, and so we inherited the win rather than my brother inheriting the win. It was really a weird situation. And so it was a very difficult ride home because I'm going to tell you, I really wanted my brother to pick up that win. I really wanted him to win that race. And so um, I was happy because I'm the one that got paid. My car got the money. My car got the win, got our picture taken. But I was really at the same time disappointed because I know how much it would have meant to my brother to win that race that night. So, and I would have been completely satisfied if he had won and we had finished second. Um, completely satisfied. So, so while the pressure is always there on the older brother, uh, I don't think you could ever be upset if your little brother wins a race, even if he outruns you. Yeah, brotherly love, family, you know, rivalries. It's always great for the sport. And yeah, you can never lose a little brother. That's why you always hear the chants at like college games, little brother when they're playing their in-state rival. I mean, no one wants to get beat by them. So, but Cody Overton was close, and maybe one day he'll get redemption on his older brother, big sexy Brandon Overton. And uh just really quick before we get to the topic, maybe one thing that caught your mind this past weekend. We'll start with Kovac. What do you got from this past weekend? I guess I'll, you know, talk about Georgetown Speedway down there in Delaware. They had two super late model shows. Uh, the Camp Bars Benefit Race has Ross Robinson. He won on uh, Thursday night, $5,500. That's pretty, you know, I was, he felt pretty good with that one. At the number one, it's his hometown racetrack. And he said he's gotten his teeth, tick, he, uh, his teeth kicked in running all year on the Lucas Oil Series. Uh, so uh, to be able to come home and, and, and get a win, you know, in your backyard, front of your family and friends, that, that, you know, that, that gave him a good boost, I'm sure. And, 
And, and also shows, though, how important it is to uh, – I mean, how much a guy does learn uh, running with the national tour all year. You're supposed to – after you run like that, you get your – you bring your level of competition up. I mean, you should be able to go back and, and win the local regional level, and that's what he did there. And, and then Saturday, uh, the veteran Rick Eckert, uh, he won the Mid-Atlantic Championship uh, race for $7,000 at, at, uh, at Georgetown. And it was pretty neat that who he finished in front of was Amanda Robinson, Ross's uh, wife, who's a very good driver in her own right. Although she doesn't really get to race very much now because she's uh, Ross's crew chief. But man, when she's uh, she's arguably the best female driver of a late model that's come along, maybe in you know, I mean, in maybe ever almost. I mean, I I don't know anybody who is has been as as, uh, you know, as accomplished and, you know, running well, top five in a World of Outlaws race at Delaware and, and one race as the track championship. She's done really well. And, uh, you know, of course, she doesn't run much now much, but um, but she showed she still has it behind the wheel when she finished second to Eckert. Yeah, veteran Rick Eckert with the dub and then Ross Robinson. I didn't know he lived like a half mile away growing up. That was pretty cool to hear that in victory lane from the boss. Uh Good people, person. They'll be at Charlotte, and then I think I saw they're going to head to Vegas, and I think Amanda will be driving there in Vegas. for So great win for them and the company. Uh, what about you, Kyle? What do you got? Yeah, Trent Ivey picked up a great late model win at the World Short Track a Championship at the Dirt Track at Charlotte. We'll all be there this week, or at least Derek, you, uh, Kevin, and I. But, I mean, Trent Ivey grabbed a $4,000 crate late model win driving of Randy Sherling. And uh, the Randall Brewster in number G4, a rocket chassis. Uh, so I think I was looking through his schedule or his results this year. I think that was his first win of the year. So um, obviously, you know, a driver in Trent Ivy. I remember when he made the Eldor Million this year, just how meaningful that moment was for him. And, you know, wish that he could race just a little bit more. And, you know, he had run really well earlier this year. Um, at, at the Colossal A100 with the XR Super Series. So, and uh, talked to him after that race too. So, I'm sure uh, maybe that'll give him just a little bit of a boost or a shot in the arm uh, heading into the world finals this week. I'm sure he'll be there not uh, too far away from, uh, from uh, his home and his race shop. So, uh, that's one thing that stood out to me uh, this past weekend. Yeah, big uh, big win for Trent Ivey and trying to continue that momentum headed to Charlotte. Robert, before we get to the topic, uh, what is uh, something that caught your eye or any news or nugget you picked? News or nugget you picked over the weekend? Uh, I just um, a couple things that I noticed from from down at Phoenix City during the National 100 weekend uh, from the, on the super late model side, uh, a guy who has had a lot of success at Phoenix City uh, over the years, Dennis Erb, had trouble in this particular race. Didn't run well in his heat race, started well back in the feature, and then dropped out early in the race. Um, can you imagine if this was a World of Outlaws race? His bad luck had happened, you know, a week sooner. Uh, you know, we would st- we would now be talking about what's going to happen as we're going into Charlotte with this championship chase. But uh, I would just, you know, I think D- uh, Dennis was very fortunate that his troubles came uh, that he didn't have trouble over the last four or five World Outlaws races. And, of course, the, his trouble did happen to come in an unsanctioned race at Phoenix City. So it it's, sucks that it, you have trouble when you're that far from home. It's a long drive from Carpentersville, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago, all the way down to Phoenix City, Alabama. Uh, so, so it sucks when you're that far from home and you have trouble, but at least it was an unsanctioned race. And uh, the other thing that I noticed from down at Phoenix City was Austin Horton picks up his ninth win of the season with a flag-to-flag win in the limited late model division. Uh, I think he had some trouble in the crate race or whatever, but, man, uh, you know, Austin Horton, the Georgia driver, has uh, has been on the road in recent years traveling uh, some regional races, some of Ray Cook's races and stuff. But here of the last year or two, he's, he's really stuck close to Sonoya, and uh, and right right around his home tracks and has really found success running in those crate and limited races and uh, he was very successful again 
at the national one. It's a five thousand dollar win, by the way, in that limited late model division. His ninth of the season in that division. So, uh, good job, by Austin Horton, who's making the best out of racing around his home area. Yeah, Overton got the headlines, but oh, Austin Horton picking up a big five uh, k payday. Did you like uh, being done on Saturday, Robert, instead of being there on Sunday? Did you like the, how the format played out because of the weather? I think it's better. I, I noticed, you know, Kenny Collins posted on his Facebook page that they should go to that format every year, and I can't disagree. Uh, I think that uh, there's no reason to to have to run on a Sunday unless, you know, historically it's a Sunday race, uh, but historically the, the the they also drew 300 cars, and they they're not drawing those that many cars anymore. So why not just compact it, run on Friday, Saturday, and leave Sunday open for a rain date? You can always race on Sunday if you need to, but uh, I think it works a lot better personally. You know, let people get home on Sunday or whenever because you know a lot of people have to go to work on Monday. So uh, so yeah, I think uh, I liked that format a little bit better. I know they were kind of forced to do it. I think it was a great call to do it ahead of time. Uh, also historically Phoenix city has been one of those places where they wait till, you know, the 12th hour, 13th hour, you know, whatever, to make a decision like that. And uh, I think it was kudos to them for being proactive this time and making that decision and, and taking care of the, the racers and fans. So I think that was a, a good move on their part. Oh yeah, for sure. EMS made the right decision. Maybe they uh, will look at it and decide to go to this format. Cause I thought it worked out very well. And, Good racing as always, or good racing there too at uh, EAMS. And plus, if the, you know the World Finals are going to go and start on Wednesday, and you have to be there Tuesday. You know, makes more sense. Maybe more cars will head down there and race that event. All right. So this weekend is the World Finals, and they are headlined by three stout divisions: the Big Block Modifieds, Kovacs Boys, Beast from the East, uh, the Super Late Models World of Outlaws action, and the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars. And it got me thinking. I know it's very tough for, you know, promoters to probably pull this off because Charlotte is a, they make it a spectacular event. Kovac, you can attest to that. But what other racetrack could you see maybe the super late models or or, or two national series, the late models and the sprint cars, or it could be the sprint cars and big blocks. Obviously, we see it like Attica. They have super late models and sprint cars weekly. But just to make it a cool event, like, both races pay thirty grand or twenty grand, whatever you want to put it at. Just uh, put on your thinking cap and maybe put on your promoter cap. Where would you like to see two headline divisions at a certain racetrack throughout, you know, in the United States? Well, I, I, this might be off the beaten path a little bit. It's uh, you got to do a little traveling to get to this racetrack. But man, I love River City Speedway up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Every time I've been there for a World of Outlaws late model race, it's been unbelievable racing hat quarter mile high banked uh you know there's only a wall on the home stretch uh, you know right right there so you kind of you know you got plenty of room uh to to make stuff happen it's just always entertaining they got a lot of seats there too i think that it's possible i mean and again too th- this place also runs uh sprint cars 410 sprint cars on a weekly basis so uh they have both divisions uh and i think man you put well if there's a world of outlaws late models and world of outlaws sprints race uh together a double header with those two um i mean again that's a huge it's a huge purse that you'd have to put up to make it happen but i think it's a that's a place where it could be a blockbuster event like that that could really i, I think it could work there uh I, I know they really do well with the sprint cars they do better with the sprint cars than they do with the late models but if you put them both together uh, I mean, they, it's it's a place where you get some other it's it'll be hard to get like a lot of late model guys from outside of the area. I mean, because that's way up there, way north, almost to Canada. Uh, you, you could get 35 to 40 cars, maybe even into the 40s uh, for late models and probably right around that with with sprint cars, too. I think it would be a good show. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see both divisions there because I've seen the sprint cars at um, their weekly sprint cars there with uh, the late mo- with the world of outlaws late models in the past and as a doubleheader but make it full-blown national tours i think that would be pretty cool uh that's a place i'd like to see everybody i mean it, it exposed that a little bit more to the national scene yeah slide jobs for days at that place the quarter mile uh 
you would hear the late Rick Eshelman say, it's looking like a white castle with all these sliders on that quarter mile. And yeah, the racing's always pretty solid there. And I can't imagine just having two headline classes at that track. I like that thinking of the outside the box there, Kovac. So a uh, good choice there. Kyle, uh, you've, you know, grew up close to Port Royal. They do weekly stuff as well with the sprint cars and late models racing at the same time. And it seems like it works pretty well. But if you're going to have two national series, it could be big blocks too. You can pick them. Where would you like uh, this race to be at? Yeah, I was actually just thinking that through. I would really like to see sprint cars at Davenport Speedway in Iowa. I mean, it's only two and a half hours from Knoxville, a raceway. Obviously, the sprint car capital of the world, even though that Davenport is, is really in late model country, you know, so to speak, you know, uh, near your land of Lincoln there, uh, Derek, and uh, just the fertile territory that is Illinois. Of all the places that I've traveled this year, you know, getting out really for the first time, you know, Davenport, I thoroughly enjoyed my experience out there for the Summer Nationals race and uh, it's just the quarter mile track that, that they have there. And so, and, and and also being out in Knoxville and and uh, you know the track's only as I said it's it's not far at all from the sprint car capital of the world and we all know you know the the shows that Davenport you know puts on consistently and I would just really like to see sprint cars there and late models you know on the same night uh, that would be uh, one track that I would like to see and then obviously Kokomo too. Um, you know, I would like to see the Outlaw Sprints go back there with the Outlaw Late Models if they could somehow pull that off. If not, maybe get our High Limit Series there and maybe get a Flow Race and Night in America Race on, on the same night or All-Star Circuit of Champions and a Late Model Show on the same night or something going on there at Kokomo. I just wish that uh, personally, you know, selfishly that there was – more late model shows at Kokomo and then more winged sprint car races at Kokomo too. I don't Kokomo had more late model shows this year than they did winged sprint car shows. So it's uh, something's got to happen there in my opinion to, to, to bring the, you know, those two divisions back together. I think it would, that would put on a heck of a show at Kokomo, but I, I love personally just, the race fan inside of me and seeing kind of the, the fan bases converge from late models and sprint cars and even the big block modifieds too, uh, which makes world finals so unique, right? You, you just have all these communities, I guess, coming together uh, on one big stage in the world finals. And earlier this year, Port Royal had a unique scenario where, they had all three divisions, not national tours, uh, but they had their weekly 410 Sprint Car Series, their weekly Super Late Model Series, and then the Short Track Super Series Big Block Modifieds on the same day and uh, in, in the same program earlier in March this this year. And uh, it just generated a lot of um, social media traffic, a lot of publicity, had a lot of people talking about it, drew a a nice crowd. And so, and it, uh, it's just nice to, I, I like, you know, that, um, I'm open about that. I like the, I like the two division shows. Obviously I would like to have more, you know, obviously there's other forms of racing than, than, than late models and sprint cars and big block modifieds, you know what I mean? I mean, we could go down the, down the list and every racer who, who owns a race car is just as important. You know, the, the weekend warriors, you know, the guys that, um, you know, have a street stock or hobby stock or, uh, a Hornet or, you know, I mean, those, those guys are very integral part of what makes dirt racing what it is. But in, in terms of talking about, you know, national tours, you know, I, I would like to see more of that, like what Bristol did. I mean, I wasn't there, but it, it seemed like what Bristol did with, with the uh, outlaw sprints and late models on the same program. I mean, drew a huge crowd. So um, why, why can't we do that elsewhere? You know, at Kokomo, at Davenport, 
uh, even at Port Royal, you know. Um, but uh, in terms of two tracks that I would like to see at the top of my list, it would have to be Davenport and then Kokomo too. Yeah, obviously the infrastructure and, you know, the facility and money backing at Charlotte and, you know, Bristol, they can definitely pull that off in huge crowds. But this track I would love for them to go at. And I think, I think you can have a good, you know, woo show there. The World of Outlaw Sprint Cars and Late Models at uh, this family's owned this track for over 65 years. The Helfrich family at, uh, you know, close to Evansville, Indiana, Tri-State Speedway. I just think that place would be awesome. Uh, they had, you know, enough seating for to, you know, probably support that. They also have the equipment to farm the track because you're definitely going to have to have a racetrack and moisture to, you know, have a good show for both those headline classes, you know, competing on the same night. Otherwise, you'd have the potential of the track rubbering up because, you know, the late models and sprint cars both use those right rears and they can, you know, rubber up a track pretty quick. So along with that, and the racing is just very good there. It's a, you know, tight quarter mile paperclip bull ring. Um, I've seen some epic, you know, races there. And I would still say it's a top three race in my lifetime that I've ever seen was a, you know, summer nationals race there in 2012 when upset special Scott Weber uh, you know, beat out Scott James and Shannon Babb. So and I've seen great races on video of, you know, the World Outlaw Wing Sprint Cars. Obviously, it's more open wheel country. But I think if you got the Sprint Cars there and the late models there for like, you know, 220s or 210s, I think the crowd would be very massive. Great racing, great location where you can get late models and Sprint Cars. Um, you just got to obviously find the weekend. But I love Tri-State. Good racing there. Uh, Robert, you think that's a decent spot? I mean, it's not too bad, but... That place, they always said that track worked with good prep, so I think the racing would be good all night long. They got the equipment, and I think they had the infrastructure to host, you know, two headline classes. Yeah, I I love the choice. Actually, it's a, it's you know, they're it's a really good track, and and it's one of obviously one of our favorites to go to when we do this, you know, dirt car summer nationals for sure. Uh, they do a great job there, and, and there are a lot of obvious choices, you know, Eldora, Knoxville. Uh, Bristol, Las Vegas, Texas. There are a lot of obvious choices that that you think this would be a the, the like you, we talk about infrastructure, we talk about the size of the track, and we talk about parking. So, so there are a lot of tracks out there. Uh, one that comes to mind, uh, I think Magnolia down at, down in Mississippi would be a good one. But I'm going to throw out a track that actually hosts the has hosted the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars. By the way, I'm not a sprint car fan. It's, I've never been shy to say that I'm a a dirt late model snob. Uh, you put a late model body. I, I think if you put a, a dirt late model body on a sprint car, I'd probably go watch it. But uh, for some reason, you know, I just I, I I'm a late model guy. I'll watch them. If you put truck motors in them, I'd probably go watch them. But if we're if we're forced to to run the two divisions, I think. Uh, Riverside International in West Memphis, Arkansas, would be a great place to host uh, the two divisions. Uh, there, they've ran World of Outlaw sprints there before. They have held, uh, I think, thirteen or fourteen Comp Cams, uh, Dirt Late Model Series, uh, Comp Cam Super Dirt Series, whatever it's called, uh, there as well. So they've hosted late models regionally regional tours and they've hosted the national tour for sprints let's go to the to riverside i think i could one person i think i could probably get on board with this is ben shelton who who lives out there in memphis so let's go to west memphis arkansas he could he could for sure so let's get the uh, and it doesn't have to be world of outlaws we know there are a lot of sprint series out there now you've got uh you know kyle larson's sprint series you know we could combine that with a castrol night in america you know put those two together out there in west memphis uh you know there there's more than one wing sprint car tour but but for sure because it's historically has hosted the world of outlaws uh i think if you put uh the outlaws out there at west memphis uh for you know 10 to fifteen thousand to win for each class uh for a, a one-day deal that would be a great a great track. It's not a huge race track. It races really well, and uh, and it draws fans. Uh, you're going to have a ton of fans because of the sprints anyway, and it draws fans uh, who th- they know about lay models for sure. They because they've like I said they've hosted more than a dozen comp cam series races 
all the way back to like 2008 or 2009. So, so they, they've hosted all kinds of divisions. I think it would really, really work well. And I think, uh, I think it'd be a hell of a show too, to go, to be able to go and see, uh, those two top tier divisions, uh, at, at Riverside over there in West Memphis, Arkansas. I think that would be a, a great night of entertainment for, for race fans, whether or not you're a fan of either division. Yeah, it'd be fun. And then obviously a good choice is because Flo does stuff at Eldora Speedway and, you know, has the Castrol series and the Larson and, you know, the All-Stars were a good relationship. You could do something at Eldora. But those are obvious choices. Everybody would like to see, you know, a sprint car and late model headliner at Eldora or Knoxville. So I'm glad we kind of went outside the box there and picked some uh, different tracks regionally. And I think these uh, all four of these would be a great spot to do this. So all these, you know, promoters and, you know, streaming companies, let's make it happen because obviously it can be very successful. A lot of stress probably as well with the money, you know, situation paying all those high purses. But we can we can dream and think about it a little bit. Well, as always, we finish the show with one more thing. And Kovac, I know you're ready. What do you got for us? I just was looking at the forecast, uh, long, oh, you know, the the five day go. forecast for the Charlotte World Finals, and man, it looks it gets warmer each day. It looks like there's sun every day, uh, or at least clear, or at least uh, no rain, uh, not much of a chance. So, I mean, there's been some cold days at uh, at Charlotte over the years, some cold, damp days. Uh, where you're just freezing outside there. And it looks like, I mean, it might be pushing 80 by the end of the week there. So uh, nice, uh, nice, uh, something to look forward to uh, for Charlotte this year. Could, I mean, if it, if this holds up, it could be the best weather we've ever had for the world finals since it started in 2007. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's ready to go. And that one day we had a, race on a Sunday and then we had to go to the banquet on a Monday. That was just the ultimate depressing when you're going to the great wolf lodge at 11 in the morning on a Monday after world final. So let's hope that's not a thing. And yeah, the weather looks great. And I think we're going to have decent, we're going to have good car counts for all three divisions. I think they're close to 60 on sprint cars. I saw, I haven't seen the Six, late models. 61 yet, but... late models, actually 61 oh. late models are pre-entered right now. I just well, saw the, the sprint cars. There's there. almost 60 as well. So we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of cars there in a good time. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for World Finals. So I'll go next. And everybody that goes out to Charlotte, you want to see how a business is run. You want to see how maybe they should, like, give out, you know, every fast food restaurant in the country should do this and be just, uh, you know, efficient. Every, like, car places when they're building them, you know, the manufacturers, they should they should take notes, you know, from this restaurant, Kovac. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I'm. I could I say I'm, you could say yes. it. Go ahead. You go. You just go, go say it. Go to cookout and be amazed of just how awesome they are. They they everybody says about Chick Fil A and how good they are. Like you know time management when you're in the drive through cookout smokes them. I mean we're at cookout at like one in the morning after the races and they are flying. There's like 25 cars deep and they are just going boom 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 boom. So when you're at Charlotte, you're at the World Finals. Go to cookout. And just be amazed of how efficient they are. I know that Chick Fil A. A lot of stuff on the menu too, there, right, Derek? A lot of stuff on the menu. A lot of stuff on the menu. Admit. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, like Chick Fil A, they have like six items. You know, this cookout is it all, and they do. It's decent late night food. Kovac will get a shake, but I just want you to go in there, get your stopwatch out, and I'm cookout people. If you're listening, that you work there, be on your A game there in the Concord Charlotte area because they they are pretty impressive, and let's hope they can continue their hot streak. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? Yeah, no cookout. I'm. I will have to join you guys one night there. Then Cheerwine floats or and cheap food too. You get like five dollar meal deals or like whatever. You get like a cheeseburger, hot dogs. Our Floriani's are being impressed nuggets. by our belt budget what this weekend, right? He's exactly. Like, dang. like, he's like, man, look, like how, we, look how little these racing guys are spending. Eat. Hey, we can eat well too. So yeah, but uh, one more thing. Uh, I I guess I'll just say two quick things. Uh, on the racetrack, Tanner Ing, 20-point lead in the Rookie of the Year battle with uh, Max Blair. So, Rookie of the Year chase coming down to uh, the wire. And then also Hudson O'Neill making his debut uh, in the Rocket One car this weekend or this this week. So, start of a new era over there in Shinston, West Virginia with Hudson O'Neill, the new deal, taking over uh, the Rocket One this week. So. Also, a little uh, different paint scheme this weekend, for. too. I a didn't see a different paint, paint scheme. scheme. 
Yeah, so oh, wow. you'll have to check that out. Might have a little more uh, primary color added on to their Rocket Blue one. Ooh. So pretty impressive, Ooh. and uh, can't wait till they uh, unload oh. that. So I'm not going to give any details. We'll let them, you know, debut it out there. But a cool thing that they got going on there. It's different, but it's pretty cool. Robert, what do you got? I just uh, uh, noticed I, uh, that Matt Henderson and the CVR house car have uh, have decided to to kind of go their separate ways uh, amicably. Uh, it was basically, I think, that uh, Chip Vineyard there at CVR is going to have a shoulder surgery um, coming up. And I think he just basically is has got to turn his his focus to his business. They're still turning out race cars and still building stuff there at their their shop over there in East Tennessee. But they will not be fielding a house car uh, in the near future. So Matt Henderson is is now currently trying to put some stuff together uh, for his racing and driving future. But uh, I'm not sure how long that's gonna gonna last. You know, CVR had a great. I think they won like 19 wins, including a $20,000 to win race uh, with Matt Henderson while they were together. So they had a really good, a good relationship and successful relationship, but it's just uh, the cost and, and uh, Chip Vineyard's uh, shoulder surgery and, and that sort of thing have just kind of caused them to pause the house car program at CVR race cars, though they are still building race cars and selling race cars. I just wanted to mention that. That is uh, something that came across this morning, uh, or actually it came across on Tuesday morning. And um, uh, it's always, you always hate to see cars not going out to the track anymore, but it's understandable the way things in the, in the sport cost. And you got to, sometimes you got to take care of your health issues and then get back to work. Yeah. Some breaking news there in the dirt late model world. Thank you for sharing Robert and, as he said, they're going to continue building race cars over there. Well, guys, it's World Finals week. We had a great weekend last weekend with some, you know, big-time regional stuff. But all eyes will be at Charlotte there. Uh, you got the big block modifieds, the super late models, and the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. It's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, be sure to check out all three of these guys' stories this week. Um, blogs, you know, uh, all the other good stuff they put throughout the week. And we'll have a few uh, cool videos, one lap, one beer this weekend at Charlotte. So keep your browsers locked in at Flow Racing and DirtOnDirt.com. Until next week, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for listening.